Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who'll never use any gun that doesn't fit in his book. <laughs> I am Leon Glass, and that's why I buy big books. <laughs> big, yeah, yeah. The uh, answer is go bigger on the book, not go go smaller on the gun. Yeah, yeah. You get you can get some atlases that'll really. Yeah, really no kidding. Yeah, you, 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 I remember those at like when we used to work at the library. Those ones that are like the, that are full half of height of a human being. And it's like, all right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Do they? I assume they still do that because, like, it feels like the internet would have changed that quite dramatically. Because you can essentially yeah, but, fit as much detail as you want into the thing if you're willing, if you can zoom into it, right? Right, right, right. But no one, no one ever actually used them anyway. That's They're true. Just they, impressive. You put them on the, you put them on the little podium that spins, and right, right, yeah. The They're mostly there and... to let people know that if they wanted to, they could, in fact, go into really minute detail on some some very uninteresting locations they're they're mostly there to let people know that if they wanted to if they see a rat they, they could, could kill, kill the rat it pretty with the book easily. yeah Before we get into the movie this week, I want to talk about our Patreon, patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Over there for a dollar a month, you can get access to a bonus episode. You can uh, help keep us going. And you get to vote on what that bonus episode is going to be, too. Uh, our most recent uh, poll was we decided to do uh, a list of earnest movies for the November bonus. And sure enough, they voted for Ernest Scared Stupid. And of course that they episode did. posted. Yeah. They had to pick the worst one. Oh, boy, <laughs> no. it, is, it is a terrible movie. <clears throat> it actually, it probably is the worst of the of the earnest movies on the list, but uh, but it's not a terrible movie. Eh, mostly, well, we talk about. It. You can listen movie. to the episode if you want to you know listen more about to our opinions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> we've done some uh, some really interesting movies over there. It's had had a lot of fun over there. Uh, just, Ernest Scared Stupid is our second Ernest movie. We did uh, Ernest Goes to Camp years ago. We also do things like uh, Dog Day Afternoon and The Americanization <laughs> of Emily. So, you know, um, imagine can, Ernest in either of those movies. Right. Can and, I can I point something out that's very funny to me that is unre- that is related to the Patreon? I have somehow internally turned Ernest Goes to Camp into a Criterion movie instead of one of the Patreon bonus <laughs> episodes. <laughs> like, in my head, I think of it chronologically as part of our normal recording schedule yeah, instead yeah. it's like and when you're like oh we've done a couple really interesting you know we've done one more and i was like we did and you're like ernest was a camp yeah. i was like oh right like yeah, that wasn't actually it's not the criteria collection it's coming but it's not there yet uh anyway we have a lot of fun over there certainly uh if a supporter wants to suggest a list for everyone to vote on we gladly take those suggestions and usually if they're willing and timing works out we'll invite that supporter on if we use their idea uh so we have some fun and you can buy your way onto the podcast if that's what you want to do Um, (laughs) but as i said that lowest tier is just one dollar which is pretty cheap as far as patreon bonus content goes too across the board really but for a little extra five dollars uh we'd like to thank those people on air so thank you so much to Christopher Otto, to Eric Coronado, and to Stephen Goldmeyer, our $5 yes, supporters you. right now. 
A little above that, we do something that is very special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard, write a little personalized thank you note, and mail that off. That's uh, once a month, and we also like to thank those people on air. So thank you so much to Jason Westhaver, Michael McGrath, Nina Bojnak, Patrick Yako, and Adam Spiegerman, our $10 and above supporters yes, right thank now. You. If you want to check out those postcards, you can head over to redbubble.com and search for Lost in Criterion, and you can see a back catalog of most of the postcards. A few haven't, uh, haven't made it up there. Um, well, a few of them made it and... up and then were taken down. Yes, uh, Redbubble has, uh, they, they won't, won't go, go to, to bat for, yeah. for us at all, and we got some takedown notices uh, that really would not have stood up in an intellectual property court, at least in the U.S., but alas, we don't have the standing, so <laughs> so they're gone. But you can see uh, the ones that have not been challenged by Toho or Warner Brothers over at redbubble.com, search for Lost in Criterion. You can also buy past ones as postcards, as greeting cards, as uh, stickers, most of them, and as buttons, a few of them. Uh, when so the you've got options. Out. So, so you got options, a lot of options. Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion if you want to support us. Thank you to those of you who do, but uh, even if you don't, thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you. This week we are talking about Made in USA, 1966 uh, Jean-Luc Goddard movie. Starring Anna Karina, his soon-to-be ex-wife. Uh, in the <laughs> when, when did they get divorced? Yeah, I was, I was wondering uh, about that. Literally after this movie, I can see uh, that. Yeah, I feel like this is. <laughs> okay. It wasn't exactly because of this movie. <laughs> this movie is probably I can see indicative how this movie of would some make of you divorce things, somebody. But also, uh, this movie—he uh, saw the writing on the wall. This movie is kind of a a goodbye to Anna as well. I think. Um, I could be wrong on the timeline. Maybe they got divorced before before this movie, and he really well, already knew it was goodbye. But yeah, uh, but yeah. Um, in any case, this is a uh, it is ostensibly an adaptation of the Richard Stark novel. It's a Donald Westlake is Richard Stark was his pen name, but of the Westlake novel, The Jugger. Uh, that is the you, movie they you... bought the rights for. And then I assume they did not make. They did not because make. this would uh, be unread. This is this. There is no move. There is no book that is written the way this movie is that makes a damn bit of sense. Well, well, you're in luck. Uh, you've you've worded that perfectly uh, because it is more or less based on the Big Sleep, right? And the Big Sleep, <laughs> the Big Sleep is also very confusing. Yes, yeah. Uh, Howard Hawks, Howard Hawks directed the film adaptation of B- The Big Sleep. That's Raymond Chandler uh, uh, novel. Uh, Faulkner wrote the screenplay for The Big Sleep. I didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, and <laughs> uh, according to what I read about it, uh, there's at least one murder. <laughs> that that one, one of the various dead bodies that shows up in The Big Sleep, uh, someone asked Howard Hawks about, like, who actually killed this guy. And he says, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it's very good. Uh, Perfect. Now, now because this was ostensibly based on the Jugger, uh, and they maybe didn't actually have the rights to, uh, in the U.S., uh, this film was, uh, and that is one of the reasons that this film was never released in the U.S. officially. 
It had a brief showing at the 1967 New York Film Festival, uh, but its first official premiere in the U.S. was on April 1st, 2009, in the Castro Theater in San Francisco. Uh, One of the reasons it happened then was because uh, Westlake had just died three months prior uh, in January of that year. Um, But also... It was a new print, and it was the premiere of the new print, and then Criterion released the DVD in July of that year. Oh, okay. Um, This is also uh, a weird little thing. Next week, we'll be talking about the two or three things I know about her, which is another Goddard film, and is a Goddard film he was making at the same time as this film. This is sort of B-side to two or three things I know about her. Uh, The producer of this film... George de Beauregard had made a movie called The Nun, and it got censored. He kind of double censored, as the church had censored it, and French officials also censored it. Uh, he lost a lot of money uh, in the fact that he made a movie that didn't get released until uh, years after this one, actually. So, while he was struggling for cash, he said to his friend Goddard, Hey... Uh, you know, make me a movie so that I can afford to live. And Goddard was like, sure. <laughs> so they did this movie in uh, just a couple of weeks at the same time as two or three things. And uh, like I said, sort of as like a B-side, uh, kind of flying by the seat of their pants. Um, there's a lot uh, in this yeah. movie that is... It's not exactly improvisational because Goddard was writing a script, but he was right. basically writing the script during production. Right. Yeah, uh, we've we've seen that before. Yeah. Wouldn't be the yeah. first time. Right, right, right. And then, you know, all of all of our characters in this movie are named for other people. Um uh David Goodis right. is writer. Uh, Richard Nixon shows yeah, up. Yeah, I know. It's named it, Richard Nixon, a character yeah. named Robert McNamara shows up. Uh, Richard Widemark is a, is an American actor and a character in this movie. The uh, Japanese uh, woman, the girlfriend of, uh, of uh, one of the characters is uh, named Mizuguchi, uh, Doris yeah. Mizuguchi, but after Kenji, the film director. Uh, but yeah, uh, it is probable that Karina's character Paula Nelson is just named for Babyface Nelson. Um, right. Because yeah. Sieg- Don Siegel, who's another character name, had made a movie about Babyface Nelson starring Mickey Rooney, who doesn't get a character named after him. But uh, there's actually there's a bonus feature on the DVD that breaks down a lot of those sorts of references. Right. Um which is maybe a little fascinating, but I mean, also, yeah, but like, it's... yes and no. Like, I don't know. That's <laughs> right, I don't know right, because right, like, right, right. it's not like it. It doesn't get the you don't get the impression that it really necessarily means anything, right? As right, much as right. it's That's... like, um, it, 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 it's okay. I, I, I may be way off. I don't know. Like, it just feels like it's like. Well, these are just names that are in my head right now, and I'm just going right. to use them because I don't want to like. Think about to, anything yeah, else. Yeah, I don't want to like try to figure out better so, names. So there is something in this movie, and it's textual at some points, of it being a critique of the Americanization of French culture. Okay. Um, 
and we get you know once the the audio recordings which are goddard's voice um after a certain point they sort of become uh anti-consumerist anti-capitalist communist screeds right um and there are there are aspects of that. Yeah, I think at one point it like rails against mini skirts, um, which is just right. <laughs> weird. You know that makes it sound a little reactionary, uh, honestly. But whatever. Anyway, um, Goddard had said his reasons for making the film were first he felt obliged to his friend Beauregard. Uh, second, to tackle the Americanization of French life. And third, to do something with the Ben Barca affair. And the Ben Barca affair gets uh, gets some overt call out in this movie. And that was, Ben Barca was the preeminent leftist in Morocco. He, in his time, which he was a contemporary, um, would have been the Malcolm X of Morocco, uh, very overtly. He was an internationally known uh, anti-colonialist. The Moroccan government, the monarchy in Morocco, hated him. Uh, So he was living in exile. Mm. And Barca, Ben Barca, while living in exile, he was not living in France. I forget where he was actually living, uh, but he was also traveling and speaking to uh, to decolonial movements. Um, Franju was set to direct a documentary about Ben Barca with a with a uh, producer who was also a gangster who wanted to become a film director. Mm. Um, that guy's name was, let me look it up real quick. I've, I've, I've got it here. Fignon or Figon. Um, George Figon. Um, so Franju invited Ben Barker into France to meet with him. Figon maybe really wanted to make a movie. Mm. Maybe really wanted to make some money. Maybe a movie never existed. Maybe a movie did exist. Maybe Franju had no idea that a movie didn't exist. In any case, once he was in France, French authorities arrested him, turned him over to Moroccan authorities or the Moroccan underground, uh, Underworld, rather. Um, in any case, uh, Ben Barker was disappeared. Right. Yeah. And no one officially knows what happened to him. Uh, the CIA and Mossad are rumored, rumored to have been involved. Uh, in any case, he was probably tortured to death, probably on French soil. Figon, uh, for his trouble of either being involved with this conspiracy or being used by this conspiracy also was mysteriously turned up dead through uh suicide yeah and i hope you can hear the through hear the yeah uh, hopefully the air quotes, quotes are, yeah 
So, uh, yeah. So Barca, the Ben Barca affair gets brought up overtly in the movie a couple of times uh, where uh, reference is made to him from some of the uh, the more violent characters who have already said that they were part of the uh, French Gestapo uh, during the war. Uh, mention the Ben Barca as, as another thing that they were involved with. Um, and then, you know, it's all, it had happened just a couple years before this, so it was in in the public conscious. It was something that Goddard wanted to comment on. It was seemingly, given the trajectory of this film into Goddard's other work from where he's coming from, it was a radicalizing moment in Goddard's life. Right. Because uh, this is one of his earliest political films. And by the end of the 60s, he's making Maoist films, really. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. So, you know. Um, so it does seem to be very important to him forming ideologically. Now, Figon also, in wanting to be a film director, had left a series of self-recorded tapes uh, about the project, maybe, about other projects, maybe. I'm not real clear on what was actually on the tapes, but mm. in any case, the recordings in this movie are an overt meta-reference to Figgins. Oh, okay, interesting. Recordings. Uh, obviously, nothing in them is called from Figgins' recordings, right, right. but it is that is the inspiration for, for those recordings. And again, as I said, they are Goddard's voice on those recordings. So... So there's a lot of there's yeah, this real I, interesting I, miasma of what Goddard's thinking and going through and, and, and his think, reasons for making this. But my yeah. only <laughs> real sort of like thing about that is is like I get where all that's coming from and like I you know we again we've seen like Gar- some of Goddard's like as he progresses down this path and we're essentially on board for the path but the the problem is is that like this one, th- I guess, probably is almost a symptom of being an early sort of iteration of this. Is it feels like all that's the problem is we? I feel like, in to a certain extent, we've talked about like stream of consciousness in movies before, right? 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 I, right. I don't mean like stream of consciousness per se, but like it feels like we're dealing with the fact that Goddard hasn't is dealing with the fact. You right, know what I mean? Like right. we're not we're not getting Honest, complete ideas. Honestly. This movie, this movie is, if anything, uh, pure id, and it is Goddard having right. a crisis. And in, like that's in it's his, interesting in his love life, in his political life, um, right? At the very and, least, and it's interesting in it, on a meta level. Like that is all very, yeah. very interesting. Like that, that right. is, it is, it is actually right. that is all very fascinating. It is not necessarily make for what I would call a good movie. Or even a watchable movie. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, it and, and to a certain extent, I think because, like, not to play backseat quarterback, but that or whatever, you know, armchair yeah, quarterback yeah. or whatever. Like we we because um, like we do, but we that's a thing we do. Um, right. To a certain extent, I think because Goddard had this impetus that was based on me wanting to help this friend and some of that stuff, is that we probably would have done better with Goddard getting into something where he can explain what he's thinking about in a more direct way than right. than this because this this the nature of this project seems to purposely obfuscate what he is thinking about. 
right and right. sort of mix it all up because as soon as you couch something into quote unquote a sort of like crime novel s sort of film new like semi not not really film noir but like kind of like sort of like a a a a noir detective you know Raymond Chandler sort of thing you're by nature already trying to tell a story where the audience is not supposed to be fully co- like cognizant and right. uh and and able to process everything that's happening right the audience is supposed to be also confused by what's happening in those kinds of stories because that's where like half the fun comes from right right uh right but the problem is is if you do that to your like discussion of your political like feelings and like what's going on what you end up with is like i don't know what anybody thinks about anything in this movie (laughs) right 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 um I can give you a general impression of what Goddard might be going through. Yeah. But, like, it's very, like, the movie itself is extremely, like, disjointed. I think there's there's Goddard becoming disillusioned with with his previous obsessions with American cinema in a lot of ways. Um, Obviously, you know, we get overt commentary on uh, the Americanization of France, he says, is part of the point of what he's trying to say. Uh, there's also the matter of we get a playwright character and we get a character played by, uh, what's his name? The, the Anton, Anton Daniel kid, uh, oh, uh, uh Jean-Pierre Leud playing Donald Siegel, um, or a character named Donald Siegel. Leud is obviously a, uh, a Goddard stand in here. Um, you know, obviously, his his most famous movie roles were as a Truffaut stand-in, but still, right? Um, uh, and uh, and the playwright character, obviously, a Goddard stand-in as as the creator, and they are both characters who Anna Karina shoots in the gut at point blank right, range, right? right? Um, uh, so you know, we've got his emotional, we've got his emotional crisis. We've got his artistic crisis. We've got his political crisis, and they are all in this mix. And like you said, it does not necessarily make an interesting movie. Uh, well, a good movie. Uh, I mean, but, it is an interesting. But I'd movie. say it, it is. It is not. Yeah. But the, the the problem is, is that like you know, we we do run into this problem where it's like all those things are are while they are all a part of what he is at that time. They essentially compete for the focus of the movie. Even like, you know, part of part of, you know, like, for example, the fact that disillusion with uh, West, you know, American cinema directly undermines the ability to tell the disillusion with political. uh, Like, right. All of these disillusions are also in conflict. Yeah. yeah, like I mean, yeah. they're, like in in a, inside of a person, they're not like you can be all these right. things at the same time. But in a movie, what it actually means is like his disillusion with with American cinema it, it impels him to make a movie where that that plays with film noir and like crime movie tropes in a way that makes them disjointed and confusing, which therefore also makes his political statements and. Like ro- like statements about mar- like his current romance, confusing because you've did, you know what I mean? Like we well we got to chop this we got to do weird things to this plot and the way the story is framed, 
and that's going to make it really hard for you to understand these other things, and these other things are going to make it really hard for you to understand this thing. And it's just like I had an incredibly difficult time following this movie. This movie took right. me like two hours, two and a half hours to watch because I kept having to be like, One of, what is happening here? I don't understand yeah. anything. The uh, the New York Times critic who was at the New York Film Festival in 67 uh, described this movie by saying, uh, to get anything, it <laughs> you have to either watch it twice or not at all. It's basically yeah, yeah. what he said. I, I'm a, yeah, I totally understand. <laughs> Like if I yeah. could have watched it like a few days ago and then rewatched it, I probably. But even then, I'm not convinced you would walk away knowing right. anything. Right, right, right. Because I don't, I don't. I think similar to that discussion about you know Raymond Chandler novels and stuff like that is like there's you know and like the uh, the um uh, the big sleep. Yeah, the big sleep. I wanted to say the long good night, but it's the big sleep. Um, it that that movie like that idea that like. I don't know that you can know a thing that the artist themselves doesn't know. Right. And I'm not right. convinced that Goddard knows what I think in that miasma of things he is dealing with, Goddard doesn't hasn't come to the conclusion yet of figuring out what he feels about these things. And because he doesn't know, we're presented with this work that is is the process happening. Again, as we talked about, is interesting. But like you're not gonna walk away knowing the answer because there is no answer it doesn't exist yet it hasn't been made yet and that's cool but in a movie is uh hard to deal with you know what i mean like it is a cool idea and it is interesting and even like the guy right was david goodis's character that character is uh is writing a novel that has no end right 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 and and that's and that's definitely you know that's connected in into itself with the of idea course. of like this move this movie kind of doesn't is a movie without an end right it it doesn't have a finalized notion of what is or is not true about the world um, right and and again cool idea but also a book would a book would suffer from the same problem like but the difference is a, a book can be understood in ways that a mo- like can be uh, uh, e- more easily understood outside of the, the sort of textual storytelling. A book can be, because you can actually read people's thoughts, essentially, in books, where whereas you can't do that in uh, in movies. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. Um, you know, Goddard, we certainly talked about this before. Goddard's parents are rich. His mm-hmm. grandfather founded a bank. Um, uh a Swiss bank, I believe, if I remember correctly. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Uh, even the richest of the rich banks. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, Not just a regular you know, rich bank. Swiss Swiss rich. Swiss miss bank. Um, anyway. Uh, this is, this so is I think Nazi another aspect of it. rich. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Uh, hopefully not. But I'm not, not going too. to investigate that. Nope. Uh, anyway. Um but what I mean to say is, you know, at least, you know, part of part of his artistic crisis also has to be a financial crisis. He's a person who does not want to be poor, uh, even as right. his uh, political leanings bring him more and more left through the '60s. Uh, he is uh, still a guy who does not does not want to necessarily give up that power, right? And he's a guy who continues to marry younger and younger women as as he goes mm-hmm. through life. Um, you know, he was 10 years older than Anna 
Corinna when they were married. I believe his next wife, he was 20 years older then, uh, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) Um, Right. uh, Yeah. No, he actually was only officially married twice. uh, But the woman he married in 67, the year after this movie, uh, Anna Wyzemski, um, was, uh, yeah, was, well, first off, she was the star of Althazar Balthazar, uh, which is, you know, how they met, uh, cause he saw that, but she was born in 47 and he was born in 1930. Uh, so, right. you know, 17 years or his, her senior and also met her as a teenager, met Karina when she was, I think 17. Right. Which has um, its own really like that, that comes right. with this sort of extra level of this is fucked up. Right. Right, right, right. But you know, and, and we talked about, we psychologized a lot along these lines when we talked about our last uh, that uh, Bergman's Island, um, and I think I think Bergman and and Goddard are maybe doing these things for different reasons, um, but but I think with Goddard it is about a matter of control, really, uh, and his films are about a matter of an amount of controlled chaos, right? You know, he knows what's going on. There's not a lot of improvisation within the movie, even if right. he is writing, writing by the seat of his pants, you know, but also <clears> at the same willing. time, trying to sort of like visually give the impression that it is, you know right. what I mean? Like while right. All, right. always trying to give the impression that it is actual chaos, like in yeah. in some way, right? Like, he has this sort of desire to make a movie that is that has the that sort of element of like oh well like you know these are all people who don't have any experience they're all like kind of like we're you know we're, we're like Cleo five to seven it, it kind of like you you know what I mean that sort of like that feeling of it being entirely organic but it's not I don't know like right right right. Um, he seems yeah, to well, always be going, especially in this, going after like directly competing notions of what a movie should be. Yeah, and I think this movie feels anarchic because of his mental state. Yeah, you know, right. we've seen we uh, Pierre Lefau is is another movie that's as cartoonishly violent, another Goddard film that that has a lot of similarities here, uh, but still has a plot and still generally makes sense as you go through. Right. Um, and that's, you know, him through the crisis. I think he's having a crisis here. And I think that, that there are two scenes to me that sort of are emblematic of that crisis of him, of him having coming the close to him dealing with that crisis. And one's that conversation with the bartender that breaks down into like a semiotics conversation. Yeah. Right? Where they're, a very upsetting where they're talking one. about the, the nature of language. <laughs> and, and yeah. Um, which is, you know, it's it's fun if you want to view it as fun. If you view it right. as actual philosophy, maybe it gets less fun. But, uh, but and then the, the final sequence, which... Uh, from what I read, was apparently shot a month after they finished with the uh, rest of the film, where she's on the highway and gets picked up by the uh, her friend Philip or whatnot, um, who is Philip Labro, who's a journalist who is playing himself in the movie. Um, and then they have that conversation about 
the nature of things and things to come, <laughs> you know, right? Uh, yeah. And uh, I think I think it's her who says in that, uh, you know, fascism, fascism will pass and must pass like sailboats, miniskirts, and rock and roll. We have many years of struggle ahead and often within ourselves. Um, she says, I'm scary. I'm scared of being weary in advance. You know, she's, she's scared that she won't be able to continue the fight in the future. Right. And I think that's Goddard speaking through her there. Right. Uh, and then immediately asks him if he has a cigarette and <laughs> there's like silence for <laughs> two minutes or so. Right. Um, yeah, the the thing about that scene is I thought it was going to end poignantly on some line like five times before it actually yeah, ended. Me too. Me too. Me too. I kept like right. I had the remote in my hand the whole time. I was like, oh, right. well, this is just not. We're not. We're not done yet. We're not gonna. Die. We're not gonna finish. We're gonna. We're gonna Lord of the Rings this one. Um, uh, anyway, um, but yeah, you know. So they keep having that conversation. Uh, until what he says, he says the left is right. The left and right are the same, and because there's no changing them. The right because they're so cruel, it's brainless. The left because they're sentimental. Besides, left and right are obsolete concepts. We should phrase things. We sh we shouldn't phrase things in those terms. She asks how they should be phrased then, and he doesn't answer. And the music swells, and that's how the movie actually ends. Right. Um, right. The final conversation. Uh Which is maybe also in, an interesting ellipsis on Goddard's mind when, you know, within a couple of years he's making pretty overtly malice stuff. Right, right. and 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 so. that's it, it. That is that is a fascinating thing, right? Like, I mean, again, like yeah, in the sort of meta context, this movie is very fascinating. In the yeah, in the here and now, it's I don't kind of whatever. <laughs> But in the here and now, as an individual work, that's what I mean. Yeah, there's some interesting things going on. Yeah, it's not like yes, I'm I'm not trying to say yes. that this does not have things but, of merit to look like to to watch. Right, it's right, just like right. But you you could watch the interesting things that are going on here and uh, and not have to worry about the rest of the movie. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it definitely like, has like issues that are like pretty are pretty noticeable, right? Like, I mean, there's like yeah, it's just. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of when uh, when Mary and Faithful in the cafe, we cut to her and she sings as tears go by. That's a beautiful scene, and worth watching, I guess. But also, it doesn't really mean anything within the movie to me. No, and the so, movie has a lot of that. Like there's a, there's just a lot of that. That that's a very specific manifestations of that sort of like this is interesting, but it doesn't really mean anything, or at least. Does it mean anything to us, right? Like internally to Goddard, that may have meant a lot and been a part of yeah. what he's going through. But like, unless you end up with like a like some sort of like um, like reader that goes along with your movie that like explains what you were going through with each scene, like that's not your audience isn't going to understand what things are. And that's where you started getting in, getting into what are like very clearly movies made for the director and not made for the audience that's going right, to watch right, the movie. Right, and I'm sure, and I'm and again, sure that there's Goddard... nothing wrong with as an artist making things that are right. purely for yourself. There, yeah. I'm not going to argue that you shouldn't do that. It's just that, like, 
I'm also not going to obligate the people who look at that art to pretend uh, like it. they get yeah yeah, yeah exactly right. that kind of art right. is very specific and and people for whom whatever that person is going through resonates strongly enough may get it but they may also right. not and i don't know that i wouldn't say that like god is like trying to force us to like think this is good art or something like that or you know, who knows right, right. like i right. don't know and I, don't, I don't i don't think he went on some sort of weird crusade to try to like force people to watch this movie like my best work ever was this and you have to watch yeah. it to understand me or something like that um, right, but it's hard. Under, right, like we're we are watching it. That's right. a thing we're understanding. Doing. <laughs> understanding how this exists and where this exists in his life, uh, and the fact that he was doing a favor for a friend of his who needed some quick money, uh, so that I he mean, could continue side making side questions. Did that person make money off of this movie? I don't know. Did uh, this movie make money? It feels very difficult for this movie to make. According fun. Make according fun. to IMDb, this was shot on a fifty thousand dollar budget. I assume. Okay. I assume, uh, relying heavily on equipment and and things and actors from the other maybe, movie from from the other movie, uh, and it uh, it brought in. Well, okay, I can't I can't say this for certain because I think let's see when these numbers are actually from. Wikipedia says it brought in. $95,000, but that might be all time. Uh, so I don't know how much it Wait, $95,000 all time seems very low. Yeah, well, it's a movie that's never been shown officially. Oh, that's except true. Except for I guess once true, yeah. in theaters in the U.S. So, um, Yeah, but it was shown in theaters in France, presumably. Presumably, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Claims it made eleven thousand dollars opening weekend, uh, but I don't how this actually breaks down. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't think I don't think the numbers I'm looking at are are actual to to France in '67. Right, and um, so that's what I'm wondering is like, did they spend a bunch of money and then this person did or right, not right, spend a right. bunch of money, but like all this amounted to. Well, that that whole that's a whole other level when you think about it. Like, we don't know that that's the case, but like the idea that you, your friend begs you to make this movie to help them like stave off starvation, and you make a right. thing that is fundamentally unmarketable, right? Is kind right, of right. you make the opposite of what he asked you to do, is a is a very uh, both funny and sad. Yes. <laughs> Maybe maybe it's that's kind of like maybe dang, that's ultimately what it was. This was a this was just a middle finger to <laughs> to Beauregard. It yeah, it's like, like oh oh, you want me to do you a favor? <laughs> go fuck here yourself. Here you go. Here's your favor. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, anyway, um, yeah, I really have no idea because uh, those those numbers are definitely included. Well, and American who knows? Like those release. those so, yeah those 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 numbers have so much wrong with them that like right yeah we right. have no idea. Main USA box office information. I wouldn't even be terribly surprised if, like, if those don't even include like French data. Like, who knows? Right. So I don't. I don't think that this is a movie where Goddard was struggling with writing something coherent, so he just threw in all of his influences. No, I think this is a movie where he was choosing to make it like this actively. Yeah, yeah, right. I agree with that. Um, so it's not it's not that this movie is somehow a failure. 
uh, to what Goddard wanted to do. No. But like you I, already said, Goddard, what Goddard wanted to do was maybe something a little too uh, personally in his own brain. <laughs> yeah, to, well, yeah, and, and, and people yeah. do that. It's a thing, right? Like, and, right, the, right, and, right. And, and what... And like you get into, you know, there's there are problems with that in both directions because it's like, well, did your art have to be commercial? Like, well, right, if right. you're gonna spend fifty thousand dollars and like, maybe like, you know, so that like, <laughs> well, also it's also maybe it's only fifty thousand dollars. I don't know what Beauregard was hoping to get out of this, but if he says he says I'll give you fifty grand uh, for you to make a movie in two weeks. <laughs> What what is he expecting? Yeah, so, that, that, that's like, also true. I mean, it does kind of feel like I, like, it kind of does like help me believe that like this is a giant like middle finger to Beauregard because right. like it's like oh you make money with your movies because you're like people love your shit like can you just crank one out for me real fast and like the amount of sort of artistic disrespect that's like inherent to that question is so. That's like Goddard really was just offended. And he's, I might, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to discount the notion entirely because, like, this is kind of like when you see on like online where it's like, oh, like, can you draw me a picture for the exposure? Kind of right, like level right. of like, how about you fuck off? Like, now what you now, want what now? In a manner, um, in a manner, maybe. They weren't. They were certainly not not friends. All right. Uh, Beauregard produced Breathless, produced uh, A Woman Is a Woman, produced a lot of his movies, uh, right. a lot of French New Wave movies in general. Um, produced just before this, Pierre Lefau produced uh, Contempt a couple years before that. Uh, I mean, yeah, but that doesn't. Yeah, and I understand that, but that. Right. You know, if you ask a person to make a movie in two weeks, I am trying to look who forward. considers himself an artist, then, you know, I'm going to look may not go well. <laughs> look after this and see when was the next time uh, Beauregard uh, produced yeah, yeah. for Goddard. <laughs> Never again. Well, we're at least. If you five tell me years, it's never again, I, don't think, I would believe it 100%. I don't think. Well, it's going to be, it's, I don't know, some of these movies I don't recognize uh, by title, whether or not they were Goddard films. Well, so, yeah, this is, the only um, problem with this question is the amount of, like, digging through you're going to have to do. Right. You're going to have to click on every link to be sure. I, I think maybe, I think maybe this was the last time. <laughs> Ricard produced I mean, for Goddard. And, and and the thing about that is is like, well, is it is it one you know, which is is it chicken or egg here? Is it because right, this was right, terrible? Right. Or is it because Goddard was offended? Like it's that's a tough question that's to answer, right? Like, I mean it, you know, it's he Yeah, I don't want to speculate that. And no one's no, no. one's written on that aspect of it. From what no, I, from... I my my guess is there's probably just not enough actual textual data to like yeah. answer this question. There's probably just not enough out there written contemporaneously with what happened to like form a coherent like answer. You know what I mean? Like because so you need like a person's diary or something essentially. Right, right, right. Or, right. or because like unless they were in the newspaper like lambasting each other about this 
then you're just not going to have – where else are you going to get data from? Like interviews, if they exist, but they may not exist, right? Like right. those interviews may just literally be non-existent. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, um, it's, it's, we, we'll probably never know. This is not probably a knowable thing. But it does sort of – you know, you can kind of pick up on – like this is certainly not a, com- a film that was ever – ever conceived of in a way that would be commercially successful like oh, oh clearly right. uh, what i did find i did find a goddard movie that he produced uh moving forward okay. uh it's a documentary from 1975 called numero du i don't know anything about it uh it is also it is, it is also it nine is years later it is it also is nine, nine years later. later yeah um uh that seems to be the next the next time they were involved with each other yeah, and and again, we don't know anything. I'm just saying that, like, boy, like, if somebody asks you to make something that will make them some quick money, and you produce a thing that is, like, obviously, like, incredibly obviously commercially unviable, right? That that's there's something there. Like, maybe you just can't. Maybe you're. Maybe it's. Maybe it's not on purpose. Maybe artistically, he's just in a place where he's like, I literally cannot make the thing you need right right but like it's it's a whole nother thing to also then not tell your friend that you can't do it (laughs) before you start and take the money and use it there's a lot going on there is all i'm saying okay like this is there's a lot here in the grand scheme of things it wasn't a lot of money but uh, yeah but it's also money coming from a person who at least on paper is saying i'm giving you the last bit of money i have yeah, yeah. I need you to turn it into cash. And like, oh, and then the answer appears to be, all right, I'll turn it into cash. And then like, burn it. Uh, yeah. You, you know what I mean? I'm not saying that that's, you know, I'm just saying. There's, right. there's it's. Hmm. I'm I'm sure some listener knows a lot more about their relationship than, than we do. And, and we'll get some messages about it. And I welcome them because it's yes, a fascinating we don't thing know to realize about anything. that yeah. they had worked together a lot. Um, but then, you know, after this Goddard himself and making much more explicitly political films. So maybe it was just outside of uh, Beauregard's wheelhouse to do or outside of Goddard's desire to have uh a producer right, overlooking right, his right. work in that more manner. Uh, who knows? Uh, there's a lot of possibilities here on as to why they absolutely they want to tap. Um, looking at you know the sort of things he was doing. Now, uh, it really just it's really just such a hodgepodge of, of things I, I, in this I, movie. I, though, and, <laughs> and it is I I think it is very telling that you and I have basically not talked about the plot of this movie even a little bit. Well, there's and not we there's like, not a plot to talk. We're about. like there's, fifty five like fifty minutes in this, but there is. It's just it's not a very good one. Like it's confusing and it's hard to follow. But you could probably like you can certainly tell this in chronological order. I think right, right, right. We could we we could run through the whole plot. Of so this I guess maybe plot is like the wrong word. I mean, yeah. it has it has both time and this space. Isn't... It does move chronologically. Right. Um, and not that we usually go through the plot of a movie, but we usually we spend some time talking about it. It's just I don't know what to say about this one. Is also part of the problem. It's yeah, like, well, it's you know we're entering we're entering. There are other Goddard movies like this. 
uh, that we've seen before. And I think Alphaville was like this, but we weren't prepared to engage with it like this. No, this I, is a movie, I still this is I a do Goddard, feel like Alphaville has more more logic to it, just sort of inherent, inherently. I feel that like might be true. That many, might be true. Many many years. But I mean, yeah. I remember Alphabet having a plot that I could kind yeah. of follow. I just I feel like there are there are certain movies, uh, maybe particularly from Gothard, um, that we can only engage with ideologically, and are designed right. to only be engaged with ideologically. Well, that's definitely. And I think true. Yeah. this is I think this is definitely one of them, where where the plot maybe doesn't happen, and only the meta text ha- matters. Uh, well, and and, and, and where he's purposely making the plot, but yeah, the plot unimportant, like so that right. the audience reads the plot as kind of being unimportant as well. Not just like we think it's unimportant, but like he also thinks it's unimportant. Right, 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 right. Yeah, you know, it's it's very much not like last year at Maribond, which was a movie we couldn't talk about the plot of because you can't describe the plot of last year at Maribond. Right. Yeah. But this is, the, uh, it is, the, it is almost the, the actual physical opposite of that. Right. Right. In many this, is a ways. Movie, this is a movie where it seems pointless to discuss the plot because I mean, what is it? It's all even, even discussing the plot is just a string of, references and names that maybe mean something in the grand scheme of this, like a couple of hitmen who are named Nixon and McNamara. Yeah. That's on the nose political commentary. Okay. Right. I mean, uh, do yeah, we want to engage with that? Yeah. Well, no, I <laughs> right. mean, I would say that like, yeah, I mean, there's the very, the very sort of like very loose, semi hard boiled detective kind of thing going on. It's like, well, I'm going to investigate this murder. That's sort of the plot, although that's not actually right. what really ends up happening. Um, I, she, I don't know. She, she she does solve the murder that she hopes to solve, and then kills a man to cover up the murder that she hoped to solve, and right. you know, keep keep it from being revealed. Um, so there's there's that. Uh, you know, there's some interesting. It's just a series of interesting things is really all it right, is. Yeah. And and uh, punctuated by some less interesting things. And and I think the biggest issue I have with this movie is actually I mean, beyond just it not having a coherency between what everything's happening, is the fact that there are interesting things and there's in equal measure uninteresting things that you have to kind of get through to get to the next interesting thing. And it feel you know what it kind of reminds me of, in a it, it mind you this it better done in many ways than this but like, you know when you're a teenager, and you're like we should make a movie and you start yeah. naming off all the cool things you would want in your movie, but they're not coherently connected in any meaningful way, and so you're like well maybe we can find a way to string them together and the answer is no you can't. Yeah, the cool but I- again, the cool ideas have to sort of follow from the thing you want to make not the other kind of way around in many ways right yeah Uh, i just don't think i don't think goddard was interested in coming up with a coherent thing to hang this on right well that's what i I mean is that like is that you you kind of can't my my argument is that i that 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 goal might actually be impossible and then and uh, he's and he maybe knows that uh, on a certain level and doesn't try like there's no well, I've got two weeks, and I'm not interested in trying to like actually piece this together into something meaningful, uh, in terms of like story or something like that. 
Um, I think I think Goddard in this time period, really what it reminds me of is that it exemplifies that quote from the first part of the human condition. Your life has been a series of errors stemming from the conflict between your work and yourself. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And at this point, his work and himself are first really coming into conflict, right? Right. Um, right, yeah. I mean, and it, and it's kind of even worse than that because it, it is... It is himself and and also like who he imagines he wants to be. Right, in, right. Not and just coming into conflict with his work, but within like it's you know, as you talked about we talked about before and we'll talk about again about like the inherent sort of conflict between like what he seems to be developing belief wise and like who he is and where he comes from and like what that and what he's willing to or not willing to give up in his life. Uh it's worse than his work. You know what? I, what I'm trying to say is, it's it's more than just his work, and his and his and who he is. It's like his self image versus his right, like who he actually is. Do not are kind of in different universes of existence, and like the process of rectifying that will obviously take time. But even then, we've talked in the in in the past in other movies about whether or not he ever actually sort of rectifies them at all right like he definitely starts making more and more intensely political movies but in many ways doesn't necessarily rectify the the uh, the conflicts between the the message of those movies and who he actually is um, right yeah which is why you know at the start i described this movie as pure id <laughs> and right. I think yeah, yeah. It is it is at the time Goddard's id made manifest and it's scattershot because he's in so many conflict right. within himself. Um and those conflicts are conflicting in as much as they are all interrelated because, you know, his relationship to Anna Karina, his relationship to women in general, his relationship to the art he is making, his relationship to America in particular and its art that it has been exporting and he has been consuming and referencing and dedicates this movie to two American directors. And, you know, he is making American gangster films. Uh, you know, those are his direct influence in so much of his prior work here. And then it's just everything's in conflict, right? And right. it's a movie is a movie that, you know, also anticipates the social conflict and, and reflects social conflict, right? Because we're we're France in the sixties, it exploded in sixty eight, but it was building, 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 certainly. Right. Um, and we get overt reference to some of the places where it was building, to Vietnam, to to Algiers. And in many ways this is also the the id of a certain French scholar class too, right? Right, know, of, right, of, yeah. Of the entire new wave boiled down into one movie. Uh, well, at least the the male part of the new wave will will limit it right. to that. But yeah, I think um, very very purposely needs to be limited to that. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, I mean, there's a lot to explore. Actually, that 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 we we're not we don't have time or the energy to go into that. But how far what we've seen of those two sort of different elements of the new wave diverging in terms of like what they continue to be interested in talking about is really kind of a fascinating thing, right? Like, like it, it really heavily just not essentially not the same artistic movement at, at all. 
right, at, at some right, point, right. right? Like these are not these are not the same thing. Uh, it's kind of fascinating. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and certainly, you know, as I think, there's an argument to be made that everything Varda made was inherently political. No, there. I would absolutely uh, agree with that. But the, there's a sort of certain like Goddard, especially in the ones we've seen him like have a. There's a certain sort of like violence to the politicalization of 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 like this sort of that 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 particular style of political yeah. commentary of like aggressiveness and like um, sort of like trying to like sort of jam your ideas out into the universe in many ways. The Varda's films just don't feel like they have. They feel more like I don't know how to explain it. They just don't. They don't feel the same. They're just these are not right. these are not the same thing. Um, and I and I think it probably has a lot to do with the way people see themselves in in the universe and 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 what you know what the role of political thinking and speech is all you know kind of for. Um, Goddard definitely yeah. <laughs> even in in this movie for example we get this idea that like Goddard feels like he needs to tell us this is what he's doing right now right 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 like right. when d- the question we come back to this question of like does he do we need to know that this is like because what we're given is this really disjointed kind of disjointed mess right right but like somehow he thinks that the universe needs to know that this is what's happening right now does well, that make sense? A, you know what I'm saying? He's a man who lives in public. Uh, well, so, exactly, like, but that's a, but that represents a very specific kind of like right. way of thinking about the world that I don't necessarily see in in Var in somebody like Varda's work of like even though some a lot of her stuff has a, a sort of like rough element to it in the sense that like you know it's made on very very loose like shoestring budgets and things like this right right it it feels fully formed it's like completely hatched like this is a thing i made the thing i wanted to make and here it is versus like well here's some random ideas i scribbled on a napkin and a napkin and a bar while i was angry and made a movie out of right 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 like because i'm angry about the following five things and i made a movie out of it those are just not the same thing (laughs) like they don't even exist in the same wheelhouse really I don't know. It's a, it's a half-formed idea. I'm just, you know. I can't help but yeah. feel like cu- like kind of lumping these into the same, you know, of course, like, I don't know when the French New Wave technically ends, like, time-wise. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that this would necessarily qualify. I don't think this necessarily film. falls into it. I think it has some of the trappings of it that, like, Goddard likes. The ones that he's yeah. not willing to like give up on, uh, like the sound design in this movie makes me want to throw up in my mouth. Uh, uh, so there's there's a lot going on with the sound design. I'm glad you brought it up uh, because obviously we get a lot of background noise that's purposeful, absolutely um, purposeful. Yes. The the uh, the unseen boyfriend who has been murdered, whose voice is on the tapes every time they say his name. Uh, some noise drowns out his last name. Almost always a gunshot or like the sound of like a car backfiring or something right, very right. violent like that. Usually. Yeah. It's not only that, but... Yeah. Uh, there is a reason for that. 
and that is that uh, Politaire, the the name according to all the information about the movie, uh, is named for Josh Politaire, um, who uh, is a resistance fighter and Marxist philosopher who was killed by the Nazis. Um, and Goddard did this himself, according to what I read, assuming that French censorship would find it distasteful, uh, to use, to use that name in this way, the name of, of a French hero. Uh, right. So he, he preemptively edited himself. Right, but like, there's, I don't know, I don't know what all that means, though. What what I mean is like that doesn't like what you've just described to me is is flawed in its core, right? Like, okay, I want to use the name of this hero in my story, but I don't think I'll be allowed, so I'm not going to try. I'm not going to get censored. I'm going to. This is like when the. Not to take this in a really not nice direction, but this is like when people wander around like this is kind of like the sort of almost joke version of like people wander around like, I'm being canceled, I'm being canceled or something like that. Like it's like well there, when they had like I think there might be an aspect of that performance to it, certainly. I in that yeah, he that's is, what I mean. He's commenting on on French uh you know, censorship, even though he has not been actively censored here, right? Right. Well, that's but, what I'm saying is it doesn't mean also, anything if you don't actually get censored. That, like, that doesn't yes, mean anything. Yes, but also the background of this movie again. It's only being made because the nun was being censored. So, uh, right. Again, and I get that, this, but like, that's, this entire but, movie is meta text. That's all I'm saying. This entire movie is meta text. No, I know. And unfortunately, I, I, unfortunately, it just, it's too much to talk about because it's all meta text. <laughs> <laughs> right, but but uh, what I'm saying is is that like there's also this like and so then you self censor, right. and if you self censor, then that doesn't that literally just means nothing, because you could have just picked a different name at that point because you're just self censoring the part of the name like it's like yeah, but he's self censoring to call attention to it so that everyone definitely understands that this name has some sort of meaning. Um, right, and then, but then again, sure. like what is the relationship of that name to? this this story is is dubious at best right like it's like this half-baked story about like a person who was killed and like is the implication supposed to be that the french that the french censorship and like government is akin to the nazis killing you know what i mean it's like yeah well i mean it's like it's a mess that's all i'm saying his uh his allusions to uh to Ben Barron, I mean, I, uh, or Ben Barka, are definitely, definitely alluding right. to... Right, well, and that's, that's, that's a million times more in the wheelhouse of actually being right. Nazis, okay? Like, my, yeah. my point is, is that this... But, like, God, it, it has this impression of... it's It gives me this impression of this person who wants to be... The, wants to be a victim of these things when there are people out there who are actually the victim of these things that like, you know, I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to say. Like he's alluding. No, I to, think, you, I you think what, what I mean? you're like, trying to say, it's sort of performative and it, in its nature. Yeah. It's like, 
you're just doing an you're kind of just doing a show. It's like a play, sh- like a like a stage show version of the thing that like right. people are actually suffering from. And that's like and that is people like Ben Barker are being murdered, like straight yeah. up being murdered, and you're walking around going, "The Nazis are censoring me. The Nazis are censoring me." Yeah, but it's the inherent conflict of the entire movie is is again uh, his his lot versus. What he actually right, wants right, to yeah. do, it, it, it. right? Yeah, it ends up coming back to that, right? It's like, yeah. yeah, you're right. It ends up coming back to that same problem, and then like again, we get into the thing where we like we don't. I don't think we've ever come to a, a final conclusion on whether or not he ever sort of resolves well, think, that conflict. Exactly. I mean one one aspect of Tavabien is uh, what is the role of people like Goddard. In, right, in right, the revolution, right. right? Um, so you know he's at least. I just can't a, remember where we eventually came becomes, down on that. I he remember becomes talking better, about it, but yeah, he becomes better at examining those questions through his right. more overtly political period. He's. Still I mean, in the end, we come down to this. Yeah, <laughs> so like I mean, in the end, what we come down to is like guards are really like difficult to talk about, but like. I don't know. This one feels even worse because, like, something like Tavabian is at least got its message entirely fully packed up in itself. Right, like, right, right. You can watch that movie and understand pretty much perfectly what the message of the movie is. Right. This is um, this is rehash data. Is what this is. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's this sudden explosion of no meaning as the world falls apart around you, but. Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> his world is falling apart, uh, and he lands in a manner, and he doesn't land perfectly, certainly, because uh, he still makes bad decisions after he lands. But right, um, yeah, but like no one, no one's perfect. Like I right, mean, but not he does to, move not forward. to give him a pass. Like <laughs> right, right. If you expect if you expect people who are like participating in your movement to be perfect, yeah, that's of course, that's got of its course. own not, very inherent flaw. Not trying to, not trying yeah, to say no, that. Sort of... um, but yeah, there are. Uh, there's a good amount of bonus material on this, and a lot of interesting things. An interview with Anna Karina. That's that's fine. You don't need to. Um, Karina Sorry. talks about every piece of dialogue and camera movement being planned. Uh, talks about how Goddard would stop filming if he wasn't feeling inspired for the day, uh, which got producers mad at him. But then. He knew his cast and crew so well that they'd make up for it always, uh, according to her again. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the uh, the other interview is with uh, the main actor, Laszlo. Uh, it's his last name. Uh, Goddard, he says Goddard would write on set, uh, and he changed things. He said it wasn't improvising. It was more like jazz music. Um, that You know, it was... Sort of on the fly, but also sort of planned. Um, as I said, there's already, already there's the the breakdown of uh, all of the references in the movie, which is well, okay, many of the references in the movie. I won't pretend that it's all of them. Right. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if the the piece actually purports to being all of them, but uh, I would hope not because I feel like that might be Im- not impossible. Yeah. But like again, given the fact that we are we've talked about the fact that like. A lot of this is so jumbled up. I don't know if anybody could possibly know that it's complete. Right, 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 right. So you know, there's 
interesting stuff here. But also, there's a lot of uninteresting stuff here. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. I think I've said that exact phrase like five times already this yeah, episode. We, we're, we're, yeah, we're definitely looping, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, which I guess is one thing the movie doesn't do to its credit. It doesn't turn it doesn't in on time itself. loop. It, yeah. Um, that's good given everything else going on in his life i'm kind of surprised it doesn't now that yeah, i think me about too, it honestly but, yeah <laughs> but yeah yeah you know it's it's disjointed it's cartoony uh literally in some instances where like bang pops up on a <laughs> comic book strip yeah. strip um a lot of like the action sequences are filmed against blank walls it is a deconstruction of film as a concept uh it is a man struggling to come to terms with a lot of changes all going on at once uh and also simultaneously doing a favor for a friend who maybe who maybe uh, doesn't who maybe like doesn't won't end up seeing this as a favor right 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 yeah um so yeah he throws some political stuff in it i don't know you know if i if I had all the things going on in my life that Goddard had going on in his life in this moment, I would write a series of poems, not a single film that well, encapsulated and that's, all yeah, of it. I, I was kind of so. thinking the same thing. Is a, a, a fundamental problem here is that, like, yes, the, the answer here was not trying to make one big thing. Yeah, honestly, this is yeah, this is where you start doing a bunch of like short films or like you know if your medium is film and you're like I'm going to do a f- I'm going to do film. Okay, we'll make a bunch of shorts then and like put them all together. That like talk about your ideas, right? You know, but like the answer he came up with is I'm going to make one very large one, not very large, but like one full length movie that is incomprehensible to all human beings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Except for me. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Th- this is this is this is work for me. I, I yeah. literally no one else and you know and he's got he's under no obligation to sit down and explain the work so no that's where we are at so it, you know i can i can tell you the two or three things that he says the movie is based off of yeah and we can and see we can, those are the things that we those are right. also the things that we as the audience can actually pick up on fairly quick easily right as right. the sort of overarching couple of things he's trying to reckon with yeah, and we can look at all of the different things that he doesn't mention the movie might be about that he's obviously also trying to reckon right, with right, in this right. moment. It'll be interesting to see two or three things next week to see how much of a companion piece this really is. Uh, two or three things obviously had a little wider release. <laughs> right, it's, right. You know, uh, this, the thing about this movie is it, also just was never really in America period. So it's not, it's not something Americans who talk about Goddard talk about. Um, but I don't know that that means it's something that French film, you know, who aren't Goddard scholars, but are just general film scholars would necessarily bring up all the time. Yeah. Right? It makes you wonder, right? Because like <laughs> it's this, this you'd be like trying to imagine like what trying to like talk about this as a part of your sort of film scholarly work, it would be, 
in itself, like if you want to talk about Goddard, it's probably pretty useful. Like in the sense that you want to talk about Goddard as a person. Right. But like wrapping this like, oh, how did this influence the film industry? I oh boy, I don't know. <laughs> like as a, you know, I guess as a if you want to do an analysis of like where people go after they become disillusioned with the way the film industry is currently working, I guess it works that way as well. But it's just so I yeah, I don't I wonder what f- the scholarly sort of approach to this movie is. Another bonus feature is uh Richard Brody and uh oh, I I can't remember the other guy. He's British. Colin McCabe. Uh talking about the movie as film scholars so and talking about two or three things in in their piece too it looks like he had actually started production on two or three things when Beauregard approached him so it really was sort of a a b-side i think yeah is is actually an accurate uh accurate description uh goddard would shoot two or three things i know about her in the morning and made in usa in the afternoon simultaneously each day for a month uh until he finished made in usa yeah so so that's something we look forward to seeing it 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 should be interesting it's uh it's inspired by a newspaper article we read about prostitutes in the suburbs in new like uh housing blocks so it could be very bad or it could be very interesting. Yeah, I mean, out. I'm going to go in with a little a little bit of a, a little, Low trepidation a little bit of, yeah, exactly. In any case, Anna Karina's not in it. She will eventually be in another Goddard movie years down the line, I believe. Uh, but this is, they are divorced in 65 and they made this movie at least together, um, but did not make, she is not in two or three things. <laughs> It doesn't. There maybe wasn't a lot of uh, a lot of cast overlay between two or three things and uh, made in USA. It looks like I don't know. Huh. I wonder why. I mean, I guess maybe like literally, like almost like I've got this image of guard like running between sets or something. Like, well, I mean, that would also explain why Maiden. The fact that he doesn't have to run across sets explains why Made in USA is filmed in like a garage and against a white wall. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. It's an interesting conversation, and we could certainly, because of the nature of the movie, talk in circles for hours about it. Um, in a way that makes it among the favorite sorts of conversations we have, uh, because it is something we can really, really dig into to react to. Right. Uh, but at the same time. I don't know. I just don't have that much empathy for Goddard's position in life. Well, that's so, kind of like... where, yeah, in the end, that's sort of mentally where I, where I was kind right. of trying to go with it is it's like, yeah, you're, yeah, the, you know, like. I'm glad uh, you're like, trying. I'm glad yeah. you're having that conflict. I I love what you do after you work through that conflict, mostly. Uh, so, But yeah, like the, going through that conflict is, is pretty painful to watch. And, and it sort of be, it ends up being like, again, that sort of like, yeah, maybe you should have just not done that. Like maybe you should have just like kept this inside, not kept this inside, but like found a different outlet for these thoughts. Worked, worked through it differently. Go yeah. talk to the barman. Go talk to the barman about the nature of language for a little bit and maybe don't record it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, and again, if it's just for you, fine. But like, here we are watching it, so it can't. It isn't exclusively just for you. You know, 
Oh man, can you imagine if Goddard existed in a in the time of podcasts? He'd never have made a movie if he did. First off, no, but, yeah, you're 100. But also, right, yeah. literally every thought he he put out an episode a day. Yeah, he'd three. be one of those podcasters yeah. who's like, I mean, it it is it is a very like it is a very upsetting sort of Joe Rogan esque uh, image, honestly, <laughs> of just this person who's just perpetually broadcasting. Oh man, oh man. I mean it. I mean, it, the, I I worry that that might be a too direct of a parallel, but yeah, like, <laughs> no, like I don't like imagining what Goddard would think right now, given the sort of like modern context. But yeah, what is certainly online constantly, just never shut up, basically. I right, think. right, right, right. Which could be fun too. Uh, anyway, um, I don't know. Uh, he's not dead, is he? So like, <laughs> I guess that's true. He's old as shit. He is old. He is ninety years old, but but he's not dead. Well, it might, um, you know, but our point stand. The point stands though that like he's not prime. Like starting a twenty four hour podcast. Uh, right. Right. Age. No one. Yeah. Ninety one years old is time. It is not time to start your your I broadcast once. A, you know, three hours a day every day podcast. Yeah, that's probably fair. I love I love two things about the Wikipedia page on this one that it calls it a a. a crime comedy which i guess <laughs> sure. is fine uh but i really love that that wikipedia does not even attempt a uh a plot synopsis it just no, has, I know. It's, <laughs> has it, a paragraph marked premise and that's yeah, the premise, that's yeah, it. exactly like uh, it doesn't even bother to run through the movie chronologically like it just doesn't no, like no. like doesn't even tell you what happened it's like oi this is just like we don't know uh, there was there was only one. I think it might have been the Italian. The Italian one uh, broke down a plot synopsis, but but every every other Wikipedia page is also just that premise, brief description <laughs> of yeah. It's very good. Anyway, next week, as I said, we'll be talking about two or three things I know about her. The other film made simultaneously to Made in USA. Well, mostly uh, Made in USA was much shorter. So like, right, yeah, two weeks. Um, yeah, two yeah, weeks is not very long. Uh, Anyway, thank you so much for listening to Lost in Criterion. I am, as always, Liam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and we'll see you next time. Adam Glass. You can find me on Twitter at the Adam Glass. My partner is John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and you can find him at J Patrick Dorgan. Check out more of the show at lostincriterion.com or hey, give us a review on iTunes. It's nice. If you really like what you hear, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Hey, our theme music is by Jonathan Hape. Check him out at jonathanhape.com. And thanks for listening. We appreciate it.